3: Is the We Are Going Up podcast? We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 135 of We Are Going Up uh, here at uh, Wagyu Towers, as I'm going to call it. Excitement is building because it starts tomorrow. David Cameron Walker is here. Hello. Hello. The brand new Football League season is just a day away. Do you know what I've done? What have you done? I've bought a shirt.
4: Have you? First time in eight seasons I've bought the Watford home shirt Have you got a name On the back of the shirt? No, I've not gone that far Okay I've only ever done that once in my life Can you guess the player I did it? Uh, Oh, it's going to be someone terrible, isn't it? Mm, Um, No, not terrible Okay Good player in his his day Um, Position?
3: Central midfield Oh, for uh, Micah Hyde well done isn't it's it? it? <laughs> he's got it yes, one. <laughs> well it's only four letters isn't four it you're a, cheapskate. Probably, yeah. you're a cheapskate four letters uh, so the season starts tomorrow uh, with Blackburn against Cardiff in the championship and this is our championship preview uh, it is one of the most competitive divisions in Europe and we are going to uh, try and uh, explain what's going to happen over the next nine months uh, over the next well 40 minutes or so 50 minutes on this podcast so coming up you are going to hear from uh, Richard lee who is the brentford goalkeeper brentford are back in the second tier for the first time uh, in over 20 years and richard has also been very busy hasn't he yes. training to be a sports journalist sports writer and sports journalist he'll be telling us a lot more about that later showing and, us up well yeah absolutely and previewing why do we invite him on actually thinking mm-hmm. about it previewing brentford's uh, season in the championship can't go the other way can it we mean? can't just pop off <laughs> no. and become championship goalkeepers <laughs> we can't uh, Rob Langen from The Two Unfortunates who's, uh, who's excellent um, previews for this season you should be reading at the thetwounfortunates.com is also going to come on uh, to tell us what he thinks is going to happen and Mark O'Hare who's been on every single show uh, this week, is going to be back for a look at the championship betting uh, this season. So Mark will have his uh, uh, top three championship bets Hardest for Hardest working man in he football is. league
4: podcasts.
3: He absolutely is. But um, he's but definitely got it. We're going to start, though, um, on well in south-east London, because on Tuesday morning this week, I was up early doors to go along to the Millwall Football Club uh, press day. There was an open training session for supporters. Loads of kids were there. Um, in fact, actually, I'm not showing you this. Uh, you're the other side of some glass at the minute, but you know Zampa the Lion, our mate. Oh, yeah. Who we met last season. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's got a lady friend. Has he? He's got a lady mascot a friend. They, they introduced her today. Fantastic. And her name is Belina. And I'm going to show you
4: through the glass a picture of them, a romantic picture of them both. Fantastic. Holding hands. Do you know, Watford once did the same sort of thing. Oh, yeah. I was there at the home game against Wolves on a Friday night back in the 90s when Robbie Keane scored against us for Wolves. Right. Uh, when Harry the Hornet, yeah. uh, got married on the pitch oh to my- Harriet the Hornet. She Wonderful. lasted about a year or so and then disappeared without any real mention. Acrimonious divorce? I'm not sure where she's gone. Probably it.
3: Probably got the kids. Still taking half his earnings. Yeah, absolutely. Right, there. so anyway, to Millwall. I went, um, there was a press day, so I spoke to Alan Dunn, who's been at Millwall for, well, basically his entire career. Uh, he is about to enter, I think it's his 12th or 13th season with the club, so I managed to get a few minutes of him. But we're going to start with... Uh, Mr. Ian Holloway obviously took over. Was half- he in good form? He was in good form. Took over halfway through last season when uh, Steve Lomas, uh, the Steve Lomas experiment, didn't really work out. He managed to save Millwall from relegation uh, on the last day of the season. So they're basically looking for to, to continue that form uh, this year. I managed to grab a few minutes alongside some of the uh, the journo's from the national papers, and we started the professionals. by professionals. <laughs> yeah, the professionals and me tagged on the end, uh, and we uh, started by asking uh, Ian, or let's be honest, they started by asking Ian um, if it was a case of picking up where Millwall left. Off at the end of last season. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you know, we needed that, didn't we? It, was, it looked like we were dead and buried, and but it's amazing what you can do when your backs against the wall, and it certainly was. But it was amazing they managed to stay on task from how bad they were, and we all were against um, Blackburn Rovers, where we got. Injury time, there's four minutes to go and we let a goal in against ten men. And to be honest, they had, we had eight around it and they only had four. And it fell to one of them. It, it was unreal, unbelievable. But, you know, the difference and the mindset and, and the way we're going about things, is, it's been tremendous How receptive have the lads been to the sort of changes you want to make in terms of style of play? They've been fantastic it's, it's down to the training hours the, the way they come in, we've got a thumbprint things so they get in, I don't know, like eight people being late and, you know, everything I've asked for we've managed to facilitate and get And new members of staff and new things I can, I can actually leave my staff going on now and, and have a look at some stats and passing patterns from from other teams, which and other teams have taken that for granted, but we you know i haven 't been at one that 's done that um, and well we didn 't do that here, so you know it was at a bit of a disadvantage, but we 've managed to do that and the analytical side of things we 've got a tower and some scaffolding there. I like can film training and showed him that back and so the days got longer, but they know they 've had a good day 's work they 've learned some you know so I've actually facilitated a, a place to come to get better, whether I pick them or not. It's not all about the first-team shirt. It's all about earning the right to play in that and then what it means. And, and, and it's all about stop moaning and that'd be a part of it. Do you like to set the players' targets before the start of the season, individually and collectively? Yeah, they all got their own folder now, which is a new thing. They all know that I want to check their body fats, check the, what they're lifting. They all do Olympic weights. They've all learned over the summer to... To, to go and be able to do that correctly. Some of them still got wooden dumbbells on there. Some are really good at it, and they know that my job's not to pick them. My job's to give them a chance to get better every day, and their job's to come in on time, train as hard as anyone else, whether I pick them or not. It's a tough, tough division. I want to be consistent. I want the club to to move forward on and off the field, and I believe we'll have a the optimism that we're all feeling won't won't burst very quickly. I don't think. They used some side leads on Saturday, it's a tough game. They've not had a the best of pre if you like but with that only galvanising on that. I don't know what I'm going to face on I don't care to be honest I just don't they'll realise their trip to the Den was a tough game against a good team who plays good football against passionate supporters who welcomed them in and welcomed them out can you tell us a bit about the signing for Pardo Fuller and how important he'll be he's absolutely vital wanted Bobby some more as well but he he, unfortunately for us he chose um, uh, the Premier League but Rick can get hold of it from back to front he's got wonderful skills and ability to retain it and beat someone as well and and he can also win Edders whereas we we got out of things with Miroff who could win Edders I was saying that him and Carlos maybe two of the older heads were the quickest they are yeah they are you only got to look at the Commonwealth games haven't you to see how (laughs) how quick people from Jamaica are turned down Tobago I'm not kidding you we were all jumping around because we come second and third (laughs) against against someone it was almost a total disrespect one Scottish lady comes second and she lost by quite a and we were we were showing her all night, um, but you know at the end of the day, it's people like them. They they won't bother. They won't get upset. They don't they don't get caught up if it ain't going right. They carry on. They do things in the right way. They're relaxed, but they're confident and they're motivated. So you know, I thought the two of them were great for us. You know, Carlos we had last year, he had not put a foot wrong, I don't care how old he is, he's still quicker than anybody else, it's like a Rolls Royce, but with Ricky I know, I've known him, The Pew's had him for years and and I'm just delighted that he didn't re sign with Blackpool and we managed to get him because, you know, he scored against us up there and he can do things that I needed, you know, so um, I had to wait for him to have a decent holiday, but it's it's just a wonderful um, vibe in that dressing room where they still really professional and, you know, he, he adds that little bit of um, uniqueness because he can do things that some of, some of us only dream about, you know. He'll do a turn and before you know, he's lost you and where did that come from, you know. So, um, I, I think he's going to be a great addition, you know. I, I've never met a manager say I, that new signing I've got is rubbish. <laughs> you know, you won't, you won't really get that, will you? But, listen, I, I think the fella on and off the pitch is added to us already because of the person he is. He
3: is always good value, isn't he? He's he always is. good value and the, the journos absolutely love him you could tell. Got a bit to prove though this season. He has, yeah. He certainly has. Um, I think he knows that. Uh, we're going to be interesting to see how, how um, they get on. Um, Ian Holloway, the Millwall manager speaking uh, to me and a few of the journos from the National Papers earlier this week at the New Den. And while I was there I also got the opportunity uh, to catch up with Alan Dunn uh, who... Um, uh, joined Millwall apparently at the age of eight coming up through the Millwall Academy uh, made his debut back in 2002 he's played over 300 games for the club scoring 15 goals so he's seen plenty of pre-seasons I started by asking him what this time of year is like for professional footballers uh, as we uh, enter a brand new season
5: at this time of year yeah I think everyone who's in the game um, excited um, always excited for the first game of the season to build up the new signings the new kits the stadium looks in great, great nick and everything is like, it's like a kid first day back at school um, everyone's waiting for that Saturday to come and we're no different we're um, um, very lucky to be at the job we're in and um, very lucky to have a, have a chance of being in the championship again this year and, and, and challenging for us placing the top six and you've been at this club a long time how does the pre-season this year compare to previous
3: years are you excited about the uh, the nine on ahead because it was a bit of a struggle last season
5: yeah we didn't start great last year and um, I think the standards Holloway set since he's come he's raised the Standards everywhere with his staff, with the players, stadium, the food, um, every bit, every corner's not been unturned, and, he, and he's raised the standards. And I think um, he's been there before and done it. He knows what's expected. Um, he's got a group of lads together who want to be here, who want to play for the club, and who want, want the same goal as him. And um, we're all working towards that. And how about pre-season? How's pre-season gone? Do you feel in good shape? Yeah, we're fitting strong. Yeah, we've um, we've had a tough pre-season. Um, uh, it seems like it's been a long pre-season, but we went a Portugal score seven. Good days training there, and um, we've done some really good good work down the training ground on on um, on, on, on formation strategy and and, and um, how he wants us to play. And um, we've worked exceptionally hard, and we've got a fit group of lads here um, who are not only fit, were clever and uh, and young and, and, and energetic. So um, I think it's it, it all bodes well for a, a good a good start of the season. And what do you make of the business that uh, the boss has managed to do over the summer? Yeah, he's made some good additions. So um, he hasn't gone out there willy-nilly spending money on players here and there, which are a lot of, A lot of managers do, and then you 've got to try and mold them together he 's he's, um, he's got a base here which he's, he 's built we finished strong last season, and he 's added to that and, and strengthened in in places um, and I still think one or two might, might might be coming in and um, but he knows what he's doing all the way and um, he's had success at this level and he knows his league. So he knows, he'll know what's needed. Can I ask you a bit about the Championship? Because Leicester kind of ran away with it last year. Are you expecting it to be a bit tighter this season? I feel this year it'll be close and I feel if you can stay in touch in distance, in February March time um, you got a chance um, I think because every team can, again is it, beatable in this league and I think the, the people who go down and the people who go up will surprise us all but I think we'll have a, we'll have a chance of um, hopefully finishing a lot stronger than we did last year and what a start you've got for the fans you've got Leeds here at the weekend and then you've got Fulham next week yeah, great game to start with, um, Leeds, everyone wants to play, looks and features when you're playing Leeds, um, again, it, it's, it's going to be a, a tough game, any first game is going to be tough, they've made a lot of signings and they're in a bit of a transition at the moment, but it's a game, it's a great game to get started off with in a season, it'll be a full house here, the atmosphere will be electric and um, what, what better way to start the season. That
3: was Alan Dunn speaking to me at the New Den uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, where do you fancy Millwall to finish this season, D.C.? Ricardo Fuller's come in, which is quite an interesting
4: His, yeah. acquisition. I think yes, he would have been a more exciting signing about three seasons ago. Mm. To be honest with you, still on on occasion, I imagine he'll pull out a, a little bit of magic, but it's not going to be consistent. I don't think. know uh, they're after. I don't know whether he fits this criteria, but they've been linked with a number of big target men over the summer they were after Bobby Zamora before he went and signed a new deal at QPR uh, Matt Smith the big leads centre forward I think is another one they've been linked with so it looks like they were certainly after a big lump up front um, I, I'm not sure they're going to have a, a, you know, any sort of fairy tale unexpected promotion challenge I don't think they'll be mired in as much trouble as they were last season. So I'd expect them maybe to have an up and down season. They'll win a few, they'll lose a few, they'll be in the middle. Maybe they'll be one of those teams that can put a run together and and have some optimism before it kills them at the end of the season. But I I don't think they're going to, you know, not going to do anything like Holloway did with Blackpool or Crystal Palace, that's for sure. Big game
3: on Saturday, Millwall against Leeds first up. Right, in just a minute, we are going to switch our attention to another London club who clinched promotion from League One finally. They probably should have done it the year before, to be honest, but they finally clinched promotion. Uh, Back in May, Brentford are in the Championship, and in just a second, we're going to speak to their goalkeeper, Richard Lee. We are going up's Championship Preview. We've got the Football League covered. So 92-93 was the last time that Brentford Football Club played in the second tier of English football and they are back there. Finally, things are really looking up. Promotion under Mark Warburton. The new stadium at Lionel Road uh, is on the way in the next few years as well. Uh, But the question is, how are they going to get on this season? How are they going to find the step up? Let's uh, speak to a man now who's on the line who can hopefully uh, tell us more. He is the Brentford goalkeeper, uh, Richard Lee. And Richard, I imagine... Given uh, everything that I've just mentioned there and uh, the fantastic season that you had last year, the dressing room must be buzzing. Uh, just a day or two away from playing Championship football for the first time.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a fantastic place to be at the moment. As you say, we're, we're regularly reminded of, of how long it has been. It's, <laughs> been it's been a, it's been a tough time for Brentford in in recent years, and you know obviously everyone always speaks of the, the heartbreak that we had just over a year ago. So to, to bounce back like we did and to have this opportunity is. Uh, you know, it's exciting, uh, and certainly with the teams that are in the championship this year, the different stadium, uh, different stadium that we we'll get to go to and be would be
4: phenomenal. And certainly Brentford are, are a club on the rise. You mentioned getting over that disappointment two years ago. Fantastic season last season. I mean, and, and the start last season wasn't even that spectacular. It was once uh, Warburton came in, there was a fantastic run and you followed that all the way through to the end of the season. And, and I've been really impressed with the uh, with the new additions to the squad this summer. Moses Adebayo was one of the stars of Leighton Orient's great season last year in League One. Scott Hogan scored bags of goals for Rochdale in League Two. Andre Gray impressed for Luton. Uh, Alan Judge, who was there with you last season and Alex Pritchard he was nominated for League One player of the season last year that's that's a whole lot of quality you've added to the squad
1: yeah we have do you know what it's, it's quite a unique situation for me I've never been at a club like this in the way in which they work um, and, and you know the players you mentioned you're right they're all top quality players uh, they're all young they're all hungry they're all certain characters as well like right? they're very very careful as to who uh, who they recruit and they do a lot of it in fact a lot of this is, is born out of what the, the owner believes in and uh, he's by trade, a professional gambler, and he uh, he's a statistician, really. He kind of goes through the leagues of different players. Uh, and similar to the film Moneyball, he will base his judgments based on players and who he believes in. And, you know, not necessarily statistics that we'll see every every week on Sky Sports, but it'll be the statistics that they think are very important in winning games of football. So, you know, going back to the lads that he's brought in, they're not necessarily all household names that have played Premier League football and what have you. In fact, there's very few of the lads that have actually even played in the championship. But they would much rather go for a player that they... Uh, it has got the appetite and the hunger to really uh, progress to this level and of course the skills that will fit into to how we play uh, and that's what they've done and I mean pre-season we've uh, again, it's hard to, to judge how you're going to do on pre-season, but we've had a really, really good pre-season. I think we're certainly stronger than we were last year.
3: Well, in fact, in the last couple of seasons, obviously last year you went up, you know, with a, probably a record amount of points, I would think, to, to get the second uh, automatic promotion spot because it was so tight. The year before, you, you narrowly missed out. So you must sort of really back yourselves to uh, to uh, to do well with the, the step up that you've got ahead of you.
6: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, you know, and I think the, the example to, to use would be Bournemouth, uh, who's done it obviously very recently. And uh, similarly, they went up with a lower points total, as you mentioned, a lower point, the points total the, the season before as champions. Um, and they certainly held their own in, in the championship, and, and we're very close to getting a playoff place. So, you know, it's it's and and the example again last year of Burnley. You know, they they had a very small budget and uh, did incredible things. So, it's we're aware of what could happen. We're certainly not going into it blind. We know how difficult it will be, and, and obviously. I've Played in the Championship before with Watford, and it, you know it's a tough league. Arguably, it's the toughest league um, in, in a lot of ways. And there's very little between the teams. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm really excited to see how we get on. You know, I think uh, having been with that Watford squad uh, those years ago, I certainly don't think there's much of a difference in terms of quality of anything. I'd, I'd say the style of football we play is certainly a lot more attractive now than teams that I've played in in years gone by and I think, um, you know, with that being the case, I think
4: we'll fare OK. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned it actually because I was, I was going to bring it up. You, you mentioned you played in the Championship with Watford before you've been promoted as part of the Watford squad back in uh, 2000 and 2005. And how important will a player like you be to, to this squad next season in terms of being able to pass on some experience to a lot of these young players who, as you rightly said, haven't necessarily played at this level before?
1: Yeah, well, hopefully very important. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, obviously it's, it's, it's come up several times, and a few of the lads have come and uh, spoke to me about it. And I think the biggest thing will be the I mentioned the Stadia earlier, and there are, you know, it's it, arguably Griffin Park will be the smallest uh, in, in the league. So everywhere we go is going to be an experience, you know. And obviously some of the some of the uh, the places we'll go, the, you know, we're going to be thirty thousand plus, which. Uh, a lot of the lads won't ever experience and that's something that uh, we'll need to get our head around and, and need to get our head around very quickly but I certainly think this is the, the thing that I guess I've been trying to stress to the to the players is as much as you know it's massively exciting and you know, everyone will be a little bit nervous it's very new and it's uh, you know it's, it's a big time for the club is that realisation that it's not like we're going uh, I would argue the Championship to the Premier League is a bigger leap than League 1 to the Championship and although Obviously, last season, Doncaster and Yeovil did get relegated, and and they found it very tough. I go back to Bournemouth. Bournemouth went up and really excelled and did very well, and weren't far off a player place. And again, I believe that certainly the quality we've got in the squad, that is a realistic uh, ambition.
3: There's going to be a tasty little matchup against your former manager Uwe Rosler as well at some point uh, this season with Wigan. What's the transition from working under Rosler as players been like to working under Mark Warburton? We were lucky enough to have him on the show last season. He always comes across as a very uh, quiet, calm man. Does he ever lose his rag in the dressing room? I don't suppose he had much much reason to last season.
1: No, no, he doesn't. And he's he's something that I've known for quite some time now. Actually, funnily enough, because he was at Watford with me. Um, guys, a good so seven, eight, nine years ago, I guess now. And he's uh, you know he fascinates me. So him and the owner, they're both they're not stereotypical football people to some extent because they you know he hasn't played the game professionally. He's he, background is so unique you know having worked in the city but what he brings is it's a very professional idea as to how a football club should be run he has brought a lot of his business ethics and business uh, acumen into uh, into the football world and so the way in which the club operates is very much about pushing standards, you know, always looking for that next level. And, you know, I could give a hundred examples around the training ground where they keep adding something almost daily to try and up that standard by 0.1 of a percent. And with each thing, you know, we know we're growing as a team and as a you know, unit and, and as a club. Uh, we've certainly changed under Mark because it's, it's um, I guess it's a bit more free-flowing, a little bit more... Uh, Mark's argument a little bit m- more easygoing in terms of he-, he wants you to express yourself and like if you do make a mistake you know so what as long as you're trying to do it the right way you're trying to play out from the back play out uh, play through the thirds um, play the style of football that him and the owner very much believe in will bring success then he'll go with you all day and uh, and ask you question no he hasn't lost his, his rag at all and I don't think he will because again his beliefs are very much uh, positive reinforcement you know if you, if you do make a mistake rather than uh, having to go at someone for doing it like you say pick them up praise them uh, and go again and, and you kind of know when you play for him that even if you have a dreadful game providing you've given your all and given, ev- you know, given everything that you can for him he'll always have your back
4: uh, we, we spoke a little while about how how you may be able to help some of the players off the pitch and with your experience. But I'm sure the way you really want to help the team most is by being out there on the pitch during the games. You didn't play many games last season. Uh, David Button was the number one. And it's not the first time in your career where you've perhaps had to play the supporting role. I remember when you were at Watford with Ben Foster, you worked really hard to to stay in A.D. Buford's plans and he really always to speak very highly of how professional you were in, in making sure you were a part of that squad and you played an important part in that squad at times is this a similar situation have you got to try get, get your head down and just be ready when you're called upon
1: yeah yeah to a, to a large extent it's been a frustrating couple of years because the reason I eventually left Watford was to come uh, and get games you know obviously at the time Scott Loach had got ahead of me and I had near enough a whole season without playing a single game and I thought that I need to you know, I was 27, I think, at the time, uh, a prime age for a goalkeeper, Right, let's go and get some games and build my way back up. And uh, came to Brentford And first season, uh, had a few ups and downs, but ended up winning player of the year and, and had a superb season and, and I've, I've loved it. Uh, the last two years, and played the following season, but the last two years, uh, I've had a lot of shoulder issues, to be honest, i dislocated one shoulder, I've had the other shoulder reconstructed, uh, and it's been, you know, i was out for seven months with one and four months with the other, and it's just been really stop-start and then trying to get myself fully fit again, which i would touched with. This is the first pre-season I've had now in four years where I've been able to do pre-season fully. And I do feel as sharp now as, as I ever have done, which is a nice feeling to have because last season certainly, uh, and even more so the season before, was a real uphill struggle where I felt like they were wheeling me out to sit on a bench. But I was barely training. I was barely able to do anything with the issues I had going on uh, with my shoulder. So... Um, yeah, hopefully, it's, being a goalkeeper, it, it can be a bit of a frustrating position in that, uh, you know, providing David's doing well and continues to do well, then he will keep his place. And, you know, he's been superb for us But my job, as it is right now, is, as you say, to support him and the other lads as best I can. And as and when the opportunity comes up, I need to be ready. And, and providing I'm ready, then, then who knows what might happen.
4: Uh, and have you kept your eye on, on many of the other teams in the division? I mean, do you, have you sized up the opposition too much, or have you just been concentrating on Brentford? Because, as you say, it's a very competitive league and looking through the teams for this preview you know there there isn't really you know perhaps there's a small group at the top you think might be up there but the rest of the division very very tight and you know there's not going to be a lot between it
1: yeah, we, I mean we haven't focused too much uh, pre-season. We've um, obviously most of the preparation has been on ourselves: how we're going to play, how the new players are going to fit in, and working very much on what our sort of team ethic is. And um, going into the games, what we tend to do is, then going into each individual game, we will spend time looking at each team. So, for instance, obviously uh, we'll be in Charlton this week, Thursday, Friday. We'll be watching a lot of footage of them. Um, you know, trying to find ways in which we can exploit any potential weaknesses, um, and that will be kind of the the, the, uh, the strategy we go down for each game. Where we'll always look at the opposition, regardless of whether it's a cup game against the League Two team or whether, uh, like I say, it's a big Championship game. It doesn't matter. We'll always go through the same process. We'll always debrief a uh, performance the day after, and often have other individual meetings. So whether it be for defenders or, or goalkeepers, and you know, go through again the smaller details that, that all. Uh, Make part of uh, a good performance so um, in terms of actually we, we, I suppose we've had a brief overview of teams and it's 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 an interesting one this year because as you mentioned there's probably two or three teams that you'd say you would expect them to be up the top but then I suppose last season I used League One as an example Bristol City came down and I think most people would have expected them to be in the top two or three given their budget and they were down in the relegation zone for most of the season and similarly this season you've got the guys that have come down the Fulhams Norwich um, and a couple of others that you would think uh, Cardiff as well obviously you would think they would be top six but it will be again they're, they're coming down arguably they're not the best run of form, having you know, have been relegated. Sometimes it can take a team a little bit of time to get going, and uh, and often they they leave it too late to get going. So, you know, I think where we've got momentum from last season, if we can get a good start to the season, it will set you you know set you in uh, good stead to then kick on and. and- something special.
3: The atmosphere at that uh, Fulham game is going to be uh, something special as well. Big West London derby. Um, there might be quite a few people uh, listening to this, Richard, thinking he's incredibly well-spoken, which uh, leads me nicely on to, um, obviously you mentioned your shoulder injury and the fact you've been not able to play too much. You've been very busy in the meantime because you've been gaining a first-class degree in professional sports writing and broadcasting. Tell us a bit more about this.
1: Yeah, I guess that's where the the, the positive of the shoulder injury because... Mm. Uh, having having done that um, and it was actually it was around that time I dislocated the first shoulder um, it, I mean I've been quite proactive outside of football with a couple of projects that I do and uh, I, I suppose I'm very aware that a football career can end very suddenly you know and I've, I've had people close to me that have had to retire very quickly and it's uh, obviously it's not nice you know especially when there's, there's several things to consider you know you, you go from uh, being uh, somebody that's well known you're playing week in week out you're getting the applaud it for the fans and and everything that comes with it, then all of a sudden that can just vanish. And not to mention then the financial aspect, you know, obviously as footballers you earn earn a good living Um, and if suddenly that goes, you're left with no education, you're left with very little to fall on, Uh, there's not many business owners out there that will put you on a big wage purely because you played a game of football and it's I I guess that's always been my thinking is right you know I love my football I'm going to give this as much effort as I can I want to make sure I get the balance right where this still is priority but we do have plenty of time during the day you know you finish training part of the job specification of the footballer is to rest you know you need to make sure you come into training well rested and feeling good each day so for me to go home and, and sit and a couple of hours on my computer kind of fit in quite nicely with with my career and um i've been fortunate enough as well to have a few uh, media opportunities in the last couple of years which i could link into the course that i was doing and the other thing being it's a you know something the pfa um, back quite heavily you know there's a, a couple of guys in i mean fabrice moramba's currently in his first year in fact he be starting his second year this year uh, and there's a few other well-known lads that are on the course and it's something the pfa really do push and, and they're very good And to me, it just seemed like a no-brainer, you know, having this under my belt now, hopefully... Somewhere down the line, it's it's something that I'll be able to utilise, and you know, an idea of a job in media really
4: appeals to me. And I, I suppose the assumption from a lot of people who watch, you know, football media and sports news, listen to the radio, etc., is that players may just walk out of the game and and walk straight into these positions, kind of with maybe no training, just purely on their on their reputation, the fact they've been a footballer. But you know, how important is it that you've actually gone about this in a in a, a formal way, gaining formal training and a qualification to say that you know you, you can do this properly
1: well I, you know, I hope it, it counts for something I, you guys probably know more than, more than me I mean I think in terms of if you're a big big name let's use a Carragher or a Gary Neville for example then naturally they of interest you know I, I'm, I, I'm their biggest fans you know I've watched them on a weekend and they've played at the highest level you respect what they've got to say they, they speak well and they, they speak the truth um, someone like myself and this is being realistic although I have played a few games in the Premier League majority in the championship I'm not a household name so if I were to go for one of those bigger jobs Gary
4: Neville's <laughs> not been on Dragon's Den though is he? <laughs>
1: this, this is true this is <laughs> I don't know how far it's going to carry me but um, no, that, that's kind of my thinking it's right. Like, okay, the more strings I can have to my bow the more qualifications I can have uh, hopefully this will give me the edge if it's you know, between me and, and someone else and I, I guess it's it's a similar mindset that I could use for football or for anything in life You know, if you go that extra mile and you put in that little bit of extra effort then you know I like to believe that at some point it will it will pay dividends
3: Well best of luck this season uh, Richard hope it all goes well and um, thanks very much for, for coming on the show no, Thanks for having me Appreciate it Top man that is uh, Richard Lee the Brentford goalkeeper ahead of Brentford starting and their season against Charlton on Saturday. And in just a minute, uh, we'll be joined by Rob Langham from the Two Unfortunates and Mark O'Hare to preview this championship season. We are going up's championship preview. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, so let's take a look at the championship then with uh, Marco Hare, our uh, betting, uh, football league betting expert, making his third appearance of the week. Um, you get the, uh, the hat-trick ball for that, I think, Mark. And also Rob Langham uh, from the Two Unfortunates, who's written the championship preview for the Two Unfortunates, uh, is also on the line right now. Right, Rob, I don't really know where to start with this division because it's always unpredictable. Uh, is there a kind of any standout team that uh, struck you as you were writing the preview?
7: I don't think so. In fact, I picked out seven teams who I think are probably the favourites. Obviously, the three relegated clubs, Norwich, Cardiff and Fulham. Uh, Add to that Wigan and Watford, and then the East Midlands duo of Derby and Nottingham Forest. But what I think is really interesting about several of those teams are that there are a lot of inexperienced managers amongst them. So you take Stuart Pearce, whose record is very underwhelming, if you're honest about it. Uh, Neil Adams at Norwich was was a newcomer towards the end of last season. We still don't know much about him. I still think uh, Giuseppe Sunino at Watford has a bit to prove after taking over from Gianfranco Zola. And then, of course, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, who, who really was a surprise pick for Cardiff City and failed to keep them up. So of the seven, I'd say only really McLaren is the one who at the moment... Um, sees his reputation riding high but even he had that particularly dreadful spell at Forest a couple of years ago so I think that might allow a couple of teams I'm thinking teams like Bournemouth and Brentford and maybe even Huddersfield to to sort of challenge those seven even though I would pick them out as the favourites
3: Okay, Mark what do the bookies think in terms of who the favourites are to go up to the Premier League this season?
0: Uh, Derby and Cardiff are the joint favourites at eight to one, but you've got 15 teams at 28 to one or shorter, which is, uh, just shows how tight and basically how the bookmakers don't actually really know who's going to win the league. If um, you look at the last 12 seasons, in 10 of those 12 seasons, the team at 20 to one or larger has won promotion. Of course, Palace and Burnley both 80 to one shots in the last two seasons as well. So, it shows what's pro- what's potential here. Um, you look at Derby; five of the last eight favourites have won promotion, and I'd rather Derby than, than, than Cardiff, especially in. in favourites tag. They averaged 2.02 points per game under McLaren's 36 games. If over a 46 game season that would have seen them promoted automatically. Uh, You look at the teams who have lost in in the playoffs as well five of the last ten championship winners lost in the playoffs the season before, including the last three champions as well. Um, So Derby has obviously got to be considered. But out of the relegated clubs, I'm not really sure why they're, especially Cardiff, um, are being so highly rated because over the last 13 seasons, only nine clubs of 36 have bounced back at the first time of asking. That's a one in four sort of strike rate you're looking at there. I think Norwich are probably best equipped of those that have come down. But I like Blackburn, to be honest. I think they're at 20 to one, a decent shout there. finished last season quite... Quite nicely, unbeaten in twelve, only finished two points outside the playoffs. Uh, the form in the second half of the season was only bettered by Leicester, Burnley, Wigan, and Derby. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, of course, has stayed, played in all forty-six games last year, scoring twenty-five goals. There's continuity there, there's stability there. Um, I think that's really key for Blackburn now, especially under Gary Bowyer. I think they're very underrated. and Rudy Gestedt, of course. Finished last season in quite good form as well. His partnership with Rhodes could be key. I like Blackburn a lot. So. I think
4: Blackburn are in danger of becoming the Belgium uh, of the championship. <laughs> in, in so much that so many people I've seen tip them now as underdogs and as the dark horses. They're they're almost going to be more surprising if they if they don't finish around the top six. But I, I don't disagree with you though. I do think they've got plenty of reasons to be optimistic. Just just going back to Norwich of, of the three clubs that have have come down. I totally agree with you, mark in, in saying that it's it's foolish perhaps to expect all three of them to have good seasons and I've certainly been in this position before when I've looked at clubs coming down and looked at their squad lists and said, you know, just look at, look at those players and how can they fail to get promotion? Bolton being the most obvious example of that for two seasons in a row, but I'm <laughs> going to do it again uh, with Norwich. Just looking at the, the squad that they've got on paper, Neil Adams is the big question mark. Rob, you're correct to point that out. I, I agree with you there. We don't know what really what he's going to be like with his first proper season in charge. But just look at this John Ruddy, Stephen Whitaker, Bradley Johnson, Russell Martin, Michael Turner, Lewis Graben, Johnny Howson, Kyle Lafferty, Leroy Fur, Gary Hooper, Anthony Pilkington, Mark Bunn, Wes Houlihan, Elliot Bennett, Javier Garrido, Luciano Becchio, Josh and Jacob Murphy, Nathan Redmond, Martin Olsen, Ryan Bennett. Alex Tetty, Declan Rudd, Andrew Sermon, Sebastian Bassong like That is one hell of a squad to have in the Championship. You know, I know they didn't do too well last season, and they really struggled in front of goal, but I think those strikers who struggled so much in the Premier League last season, Gary Hooper in particular, Lewis Graben is a good signing from Bournemouth. I think they could have a field day in the Championship.
7: Yes, re- reading those out there, David, is a pretty formidable squad. Um, in preparing my preview, I was quite amused by some comments. Uh, from Kyle Lafferty's uh, chairman at Palermo. Yeah, I saw them accused him of uh, chasing up to Milan after women all the time and so that
4: was quite well the Norwich story. is the best place for him then isn't it hang on a minute <laughs>
7: <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: hang on a second wait 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 what's all this about I, I'm, I've not read this the chairman of
4: uh, what club was he at in, uh, in Palermo. 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 Palermo yes he uh, basically said he was just a crazy Irishman <laughs> who was just constantly chasing women all over the country and not, not focusing on his football so he's moved yeah. to, so East Anglia. Sent him to East Anglia <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there you go perfect punishment
3: um, yeah, so So Norwich, uh, we talked about Fulham, 11 million quid on one player. Now, he was the top scorer in the championship last season, but still a championship club paying 11 million quid for a centre forward. They better hope he bangs the goals in this season. Uh, Mark, do you reckon he's going to be the top scorer? What are the bookies saying about Ross McCormack at Fulham?
0: Yeah, McCormack's up there um, with Jordan Rhodes, really. They're two clear, clear favourites. I personally prefer Rhodes. I've already given my reasons for, for Blackburn. But, um, you know, McCormack, you can get him at 10 to 1 if you fancy it. You look at that, the cost of that strike force at Fulham with um, Costas Mitroglou alongside him as well. <laughs> Unbelievable when you think it, we're talking about championship football here. Um, but I think there's a lot of question marks around Fulham. I think it was 13 years they played in the Premier League. Felix Magath, I like the guy. I think he's a, an interesting character. Uh, but I think his lack of championship experience could come back to bite him. He has won three Bundesliga titles, so, so he does deserve respect. But you look at that Fulham side, and of course they've got a great youth system, and, and that should stand them in good stead this season. But uh, I think there's too many question marks. You've already reeled off the Norwich names. I think they they far eclipse the Fulham side. But if you do like Norwich, you can get two to one on them being the top promoted club. Um, mm. oh, sorry, relegated club, which holds huge appeal compared to Fulham anyway.
3: You just mentioned the uh, the Bundesliga uh, there, Mark, which uh, leads us on to Sammy Hippier. Who has left Leverkusen? Uh, Rob to take over at Brighton and Hove Albion. That's a, an interesting appointment. Um, but I'm looking at the the signings they've made: David Stockdale on a free, Aaron Hughes from QPR, and Chris O'Grady. Not on the most inspiring list, if, if, if that's uh, up to date.
7: No, that's right. Um, I mean, my fellow blogger Lloyd who you had on the League 2 preview recently uh, saw them against Southampton in a pre-season friendly and thought they were absolutely appalling against Southampton's diminished squad I know they're trying to sign some people at the moment but they are I think going backwards slightly they've lost
3: lost a joa haven't they to Leicester they've got a lot of money for him so you think they might want to spend a bit of it
4: they do they have spent reasonable amounts of money on on players Ugeur included over the last few years. So I don't know whether the, the powers that be at Brighton would want to rein that spending in and maybe tighten their belts a little bit. But you know you've got to spend to remain competitive, especially when the clubs such as Fulham, you know, coming down and spending 11 million on one player, it's going to make it increasingly difficult for clubs like Brighton, who are in the chasing pack, who have never had the benefit of being in the Premier League, mm. to really, you know, compete at that level. And, and I just look at Brighton and, and, you know, Sammy Herpia I don't know too much about how his spell went in in Germany. I know he ended obviously being sacked, so it can't have gone that well towards the end. But it seems to have been a bit of a drain of talent out of Brighton over the last few years, and it's not been replaced with, with players that are, that are equal to the ones that have gone out. So whenever that situation comes about, you always start to worry for a club. Well, I'm just looking down uh, the list of all these sides. I mean, this, we're not going to be able to
3: mention everyone, unfortunately. Uh, so please don't be offended if your team isn't mentioned here, because there's just so much to talk about. Uh, we do have to talk a little bit about the... Um, what I would call the kamikaze clubs of the summer who've barely been out of the papers uh, Leeds United and Blackpool um, discuss here uh, David is it David Hockday David Hockaday David Hockaday yeah. yeah the new manager of Leeds United Mark O'Hare what the hell is going to happen to Leeds this season <laughs>
0: Well, one thing I've learned over the last couple of months is don't flag Leeds off on social media because you'll get a (laughs) backlash. Um, They seem very optimistic about the new era, the Leeds fans that I've spoken to or heard from on on Twitter. Um, Massimo Cellini, they're they're very fond of him, but to me and to us outsiders, it just looks a little bit bizarre, sacking um, McDermott, bringing in a coach that barely anyone's heard of and failed at Boris Green. Um, Of course, he's going to call on his contacts in the Italian game, and I think he's brought in quite a few players from from Italy who I don't admittedly know too much about um, McCormack's gone Cost obviously they've made 11 million but he was just responsible for 47% of their goals last season the bottom half squad on talent and I think relegation is more likely than promotion but uh, you've got to whisper that if you if you, if you fancy it it's 4-1 to one for them to, to regress even further and go down again to the third tier
4: well it's, it's been increasingly amusing I suppose to watch the development over Leeds, uh, at Leeds over the last year or so as long as you're not a Leeds fan that is and, uh, the, the only I mean, the word of caution I would have is that I know from first-hand experience that a load of players who've been kicking about in Italy, not seemingly doing much, can turn up on your doorstep and if it all clicks, it can go swimmingly. Um, so we don't know much about these players unless we're experts in Italian football which all of us are probably not speak for um,
6: yourself
4: mate. <laughs> so they might be good you know They if they have the right if the, if Hockaday manages to get them you know playing well I, I know a few Leeds fans who have been to some of the pre-season friendlies and have said that they certainly look like they're quality additions as you'd expect maybe in terms of their technical ability they're, they're better than some of the players that, have, that were there under the previous regimes of, uh, of McDermott and Warnock uh, the, the appointment of Hockaday is a strange one he was uh, and initially, he made his sort of his, his impact as a coach at Watford, working his way through the youth system before eventually becoming Eddie Boothroyd's first team coach in in his successful spell in charge. And I think that's probably where the Leeds connections come about because Nigel Gibbs, who was McDermott's assistant, has been kept on by Chilino and Gibbs and Hockaday were on the coaching staff together at Watford so that would seem to me to be where this is this bizarre appointment has come from Chilino maybe that's a good thing he's, he's accepting that he doesn't know much about English football so he's taking the advice of, of the coaches he's got already at the club uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how this one turns out I wouldn't I don't think they'll go down, that because just, just from speaking to people that have seen them play pre-season, I think they might surprise one or two. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the you know, promotion at, at all, but I think mid-table, probably most Leeds fans would take that at this stage. Uh, Charlton have swapped
3: Belgian managers. They've got Bob Peters now and uh, Jose Riga left in the summer. And Robbie's taken over at Blackpool, but um, they don't really seem to have given him many players to work with. This is an absolute shambles.
7: Well, it's diabolical. Um, I and mean, then they have now signed seven or eight. I think that still leaves them some short of the 11 needed for a team. And they have finally signed a goalkeeper in Joe Lewis on loan from Cardiff. Uh, I mean, you look at the signings as well, and they smack of desperation and the kind of signings that agents would tout around. So people like Thomas Sipka and Jacob Mellis, who've left, relegated Barnsley. Um, Juan Oriol from Ossasuna, who's been with a number of clubs this summer. Nathan Delfonso, who has been on loan at the club and not particularly done that well in previous seasons. And then one or two other outsiders like Donovan Daniels from West Brom, who they got yesterday, another young player, a lone player, Segey Zenyov from Karpati in Ukraine. I mean, really, you know, those of us who support teams who I think might have difficult seasons, as a Reading fan, uh, are actually beginning to think, oh, well, at least there's going to be one side who finishes below us. And I think that's that's Blackpool without question. I just can't see... Any way out of this for them?
3: The whole thing's a mess, isn't it? You had a situation with Carl Oyston exchanging um, angry letters with one of the was it one of the shareholders mm-hmm. in the Blackpool Gazette. The whole thing is just a mess. Um, obviously, we've got lots to uh, to get through. Here. Forest DC, what's going on with them this week? I
4: read stuff about some of their players players being sold behind Stuart Pearce's back already. Yeah, well, I don't think it's quite fair to say behind Stuart Pearce's back. I think he was fully aware of the situation. He just didn't want it to happen. The chairman told him that he was going to sell the players, and Stuart Pearce said, "I don't think you should. I think you should wait, and we'll get more money for them down the line." But the chairman has has sold them to Newcastle, with the proviso being that the players in question, obviously, are Carl Darlow, the goalkeeper, and Jamal Sells, the promising centre half. They've both been sold to Newcastle, but they'll remain at Forest next season. Both of them for the whole season on loan, without any chance of a recall, I believe. So that's some. At least they can take solace in the fact that the play, those two players aren't going out the door immediately, and they are two very important players in in the spine of that team. Rob, you mentioned at the start Stuart Pearce's, I mean, it has to be said, mediocre managerial record. Um, didn't you know he he will point to having you know perhaps his hands t- tied behind his back at times as England under 21 manager and he had a, he had these moments as Man City manager but really ultimately petered out a little bit My um, favourite
3: season he had at City was when they didn't score a home goal between uh, New Year's Day and the end of the season He had the little
4: donkey on the sidelines as well, didn't he? The little lucky <laughs> mascot and of course he famously once played David James up front As an outfield player. Um, Apart from that. (laughs) Yeah. But there's much to work with that squad. I think that it's just where the Pierce manages to get it all going. Okay. um,
3: Mark, some odds for the uh, the bottom end of the championship relegation-wise. I actually personally fancy all three promoted clubs, Wolves, Brentford and Rotherham to stay up. um, But the bookies may not agree.
0: Um, well, Rotherham, uh, according to the book, he's most at threat. I think Rotherham will be fine, though. I think you've got a manager and Steve Evans there who, you know, he, he seems to work off a one-year cycle of, of getting players ready for one year and then shipping them all out for another year. Um, short-term contracts, 11 players released after Wembley, a completely new squad built, but he's kept the likes of Frecklington, Morgan and Agard. Jordan Barry's quite a good striker. I think he has a club record fee they paid for him as well. Um, Brentford, of course, a progressive club, uh, spent breaking their transfer record on Moses Odebajo. Um, Mark Woolworths proved himself with just four defeats in 27 games after taking over. Uh, Alex Pritchard another exciting signing for them. Wolves don't really need any, any introduction either. I think they'll be a top 10 team uh, with the momentum but you know, relegation wise Blackpool have, have we just touched on them. They're, they're the obvious ones. They're 5-4 to four for relegation in June. You'll only get 2-1 to one on now in places for them to um be relegated uh, seven to four to finish bottom, Charlton 13 to 4, Rotherham three to one. Um, quite interesting to hear what your views are on Reading though. Twenty to one for relegation. Um, I know we've got a, a Reading supporter on the line, but it's been quite a difficult summer. Um, well, with the uh, takeover issues, and you know, I think twenty to one's a bit of value there for relegation.
3: Rob Langham, the floor is yours. Uh,
7: well, I, I think probably they'll just have enough to stay out of the bottom three. Um, there are some good young players coming through. Jordan Abita was converted to a left back last season and was fantastic, but there are five players injured. Um, um, really key ones, people like Gareth McCleary, Danny Williams, How Robson-Khanu... Jem Karajan and Danny Guthrie and if you add to that to the fact that the club hasn't signed a player for over 300 days and are really throwing youngsters in with less than 10 league appearances behind them be it for Reading or on loan and things are looking quite bleak and the performances in pre-season have been a bit mixed uh, they had a very very comfortable win over Wickham but I think Wickham are going to be poor this season and they drew 0-0 with Stevenage in what was apparently an absolutely diabolical match so I I'm not hopeful. I know some of my friends and family listening to this won't be very happy with me, but I think something has to be done. And the takeover still hasn't been ratified. I don't know if the issue is with a kind of proper person's test or the fact that the latest we've heard is that it's just investment rather than a full-on takeover. So there is just so much uncertainty around the club. And I think a lot of people are sort of rather naively disregarding them from the picture when they could easily be in trouble. I mean, after all, they started Wigan on Saturday, which is a sort of sure-fire defeat if ever there was
3: one. <laughs> <laughs> I love this pre-season August optimism. Um, we've got Alex Everson, Reading fan, who's tweeted as he's very much feeling along the same lines as you. Uh, Chris, who's a Wolves fan, Kenny Jacket seems very happy with the squad he's got. I'm cautiously optimistic for a solid season. He thinks Fulham will win the league, uh, with Derby second, Blackpool, Huddersfield, and. Sheffield Wednesday to go down uh, this season, DC.
4: Well, on Huddersfield, I know Rob is of the the same opinion as me that they could have a decent season and could surprise one or two. Um, I I like the look of the strike force. If, If they can keep James Vaughan fit... He certainly scored goals when he's been fit over the last few seasons. The signing of Naki Wells, he's had half a year to get used to the championship. He's a player that I like very much. They signed Radislav Majewski from Nottingham Forest on loan, picked up Lee Peltier and Joe Murphy as well from Coventry. I think they're a decent crop of signings to add to an improving squad of players, I think, last season under Mark Robbins. And I think they could be better than they were last year for sure.
0: Interesting Huddersfield, they're my wild card as well. In the past 10 years, nine teams have hit the playoffs, um, having finished 15th or below the previous year. Six of those went promoted. Uh, it's 20 to 1 on Huddersfield to get promoted. I think mean, they've lost Adam Clayton today, but agree, the strike force looks very exciting. Adam Hamill, Ollie Norwood, Sean Scannell, Lolly, you know, they're all good performers. They've had steady progress of, what, 19th to 17th? and They came to Loftus Road and played QPR off the park last season, didn't get the result, but um, I think if they can get a little bit of consistency, I like Mark Ross as a coach and I think they'll go well
3: with these uh, you might have noticed that we haven't really mentioned Watford yet because we're going to play some interviews that you did in the second uh, DC uh, at a friendly last My week Lips remaining firm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we uh, before we wrap this up um, quick thoughts on a top scorer perhaps from uh, you two gents and then maybe Mark in fact Mark do you want to just give us your, your three bets straight away okay. and then we'll have a, a thought on top scorer afterwards
0: uh, I've talked up Blackburn a lot, so you can get 20-1 to one on them to win the league, but I prefer Blackburn on the handicap 12 points. It's 18-1, to one, so you're just getting two points shorter than the outright price, with 12 points added to their total. Uh, Derby to win promotion at 3-1, to one, and Norwich to be the top relegated club at 2-1. to one.
3: Top scorer, Rob, what do you reckon?
7: Well, he put me on the spot a bit, but I'm going to stick my neck an out and say Callum Wilson for oh, Bournemouth. Oh, good so shout. I really think of him last season when I saw him playing for Coventry, and I think he's... A potential trade up from Lewis Grabban, outstanding as he was last season, and I really like the look of Bournemouth's side overall. I mean, I think Matt Ritchie is absolutely fantastic midfielder, really creative midfielder, and I, I just think Bournemouth under Eddie Howe. They can really challenge, I think, in the top six. And they were just a bit unlucky last year. Just lost their nerve in a home game at home to Yeovil at the end that kind of saw them slip out of the playoff zone. But it's a big shout because Wilson's only been playing in League One last season. But he's a youngster. He's got pace and movement. And I, I think he I think he could be an outside bet. I'm sure he can get quite good odds.
3: Indeed. Well, actually, Mark...
7: Yeah, thirty-three to one. He's got he's yeah. here on my shortlist as well. Um, I'm pretty
0: boring myself. We've gone for Jordan Rose, <laughs> eight to one favourite you look at his goal tallys in the f- past five seasons 25, 28, 36, 16 and 19 124 goals in 213 league games now uh, I don't think you can argue with that I think he's favourite for a reason and uh, I think he's a decent price at
3: 8-1 not bad he might get his first goal of the season tomorrow night when Blackburn against Cardiff kicks off the Skybet Football League this season Mark thank you very much
4: as ever uh, DC did you ever thank Mark for your bets that you uh, won during the World Cup yeah well no I didn't I think I might have done on Twitter but in-, in person I should do now yeah I've followed uh, a few of your tips here and there uh, and I, I had a decent time of it. So keep up the good work.
0: Thank you. It's quite quite a roller coaster, but it worked out well in the end.
3: OK, so get on Mark's tips from this week and uh, we'll see how we get on this season. Rob, thank you very much, as ever. Thank you. Uh, you can read uh, Rob's uh, club-by-club guide to the brand-new championship season uh, right now if you go to the2unfortunates.com. It will be uh, on there today. Um, and in just a minute, our predictions. But first, DC, you took a trip down to, is it Boreham Wood? Boreham Wood, yes. yes. To watch Watford against Coventry. And because your uh, predictions on, on on Watford have been so in fact, did you have them as champions last season? I think I had it is them so terrible. at a canter last You've, season, you've yeah. decided to say nothing on the matter, so let's uh, go into a trot. <laughs> let's have a listen to what happened when uh, you caught up with a couple of guys from the rookery. From hang on, from the from the rookery end podcast. That's Here we one.
6: go.
4: alright So last season, as you no doubt already have been made aware, I, I confidently predicted Watford would win the championship. Um, so this season, I'm going to uh, dodge the bullet and I'm going to let two men tell me how Watford are going to do. Two people that know more about. For them, perhaps uh, any other people around. Uh, Rookery Mike, Rookery John from the Rookery End podcast. Quite simply, how Watford going to do this season?
6: Better, <laughs> yeah. Better than did, that, yeah. Better than we did last year, I think. Um, Won't be hard, though. It was a brief hiatus in our uh, in our quest for glory last year, and I think we we've realigned ourselves. We've got a decent looking side. Well, one of the big thing that Watford supporters have been crying out for or saying we've been missing is championship or English football experience and we've got some players in over the summer who I think tick those boxes um, we've got Mate Vidra back who most people know about already so the squad is in place so from that point of view there's no there's no real excuse I think there are still some question marks over the head coach Saninho uh, the end of last season is probably still quite fresh in a lot of Watford supporters minds after the, we had four games to go we could just about sneak into the playoffs uh, we lost against QP which meant we couldn't get into the playoffs and the last three games were a series of hopeless capitulations really bad amongst the worst I've ever seen and and the, the season ended on a real down note really really quite sourly so I think there are still some questions and marks over the head coach but in terms of the playing staff we've got one of the strongest t- squads in the championship
8: and I think the end of last season will be deleted and forgotten about with four wins in the first game of the season and if that happens I you know we, we've got a squad there and several key players there that will be happy when we're winning maybe not if we lose. Um, so you know, like any football team, you win a couple of games, but you win a couple. Of, we win. Watford win a couple of games. There are some very strong players. Um, my again worry, let's say, is will we set up? Will we? Do we know how Watford are going to play? We've been. Is this four-three-three we're seeing in pre-season a, a experiment or is it the the way forward? Is it another way to give us options? Not sure, um, and we'll learn. Either we're amazing and win the first four games of the season, or we're still experimenting. But hopefully, in those experimental phase, there's still results,
6: there's still wins, and we're we're not sort of losing five 0 which we did at the end of last season. We're, we're like a butterfly, beautiful but very very fragile. So I think if we can get off to a good start, get you know get some wins on the on the board nice and early, start scoring goals, I think that this Watford side will become a formidable side pretty pretty quickly. Um, and just a question on the championship as a whole um,
4: you know, how much you've kept up with other teams during the summer but I mean what, what do you think the division will be like this season who do you think will be the main teams contending for promotion
8: there will be bonkers as always but any team you pick numbers 1 to 24 and you can be any one of those positions the, the downs from the Premier League I don't think are strong but if they do what they do they should at least survive and try out I cannot see any one side going away running away the league there's no one I think is going yep you're cert to do well so again it could be any one of 12
6: it feels, it feels a bit like a concertina I think the teams that come up are going to be strong and I think contrary to what John says I think the teams coming down will, will remain strong they feel like ready made Championship sides are the ones that have come down. They weren't, apart from Fulham, they've all been in this league recently. Um, and the likes of Wolves coming up that's always going to be difficult Brentford will, will have no know-how and Rotherham coming up as well they've, they've been in the championship recently as well so the teams coming down and the teams coming up have just squashed it all together and, and, uh, and as John alluded to stick a pin in it You know, anyone could do it I think my, my, my tip for a slightly unexpected one is Blackburn I think they're going to do well this year OK I'm going to avoid doing this but you two
3: where are Watford going to finish this season? Second Fourth Dangerous, very dangerous indeed. Are you going to join them
4: in that dangerous zone? No, <laughs> I, I'm not going to. I I do agree with everything they they said. To be honest with you, so I don't want to add too too much more. I know people get a bit bored of me going on about Watford, but I'm just un, I'm just uncertain. Uncertainty surrounds us at the moment. We could just as easily have a brilliant season as we could have a a mediocre one like last season. I think the, you know, there's there's quality in that squad and there's there's pretty much two decent players. For every position, and some outstanding players, in fact, in in those positions, you know, Abdi Vidra's come back, being being the, kind of the real key examples of that. Lloyd Dyer's a good signing. Anya should have another good season. But I think the question mark remains over two things: Troy Deeney, whether whether he's going to stick around, how long he's, he looks like he's going to be there for the for the first few games now, where I thought he would go before, but I still think he'll probably go, uh, and the manager. He had a decent uh, impact at the start last season when he came in from Zola, steady the ship, but the, that end of the season last year was pathetic truly pathetic some of the worst performances we've seen at Watford in a long long time and that's saying something um, so he's got a he's got a real point to prove he's been given all the tools he needs to do a good job this season now he's just got to go out there and, uh, and do it Okie dokie right it is
3: time to uh, stick our neck on the line uh, because in just a second after this little bit of music and this voiceover we are going to do our Championship Predictions We are going up Championship Preview Predictions So for the final time this week, it is predictions time in the championship. Three teams to be promoted to the Premier League this season. Three teams to be relegated to League One this season. A top scorer and a one to watch. Uh, do you want to start us off, DC? Yep. Or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'm you not go wobbling. first this time. okay, dokie. Okay, do- okay. So uh, my three to go up. I've got Derby. Uh, because I thought they were excellent last season and I think they'll build on that and I think they will uh, clinch one of those automatic promotion uh, places. I've got Wigan to go up this season. I thought they uh, they sort of petered out slightly towards the end last year, uh, but I really do like Uwe Rosler as a manager. And then for my third one, I've got three teams listed here, but I am going to go for Norwich City out of the three and the other two out of interest were Blackburn and Cardiff but I'm going to go for Norwich because uh, you've persuaded me by uh, reading out that
4: massive uh, squad earlier on what about your three well I'm going to go Norwich I'm going to back Neil Adams to get the best out of that talented group of players I'm going to go Wigan I've got a lot of time for Ruve Rosler I think they may well make a few more signings as well before the before the window shuts to add even more quality to what is a pretty well stocked squad and then at the third one uh, like you there was a, a, quite a few teams that I could have I could have lumped in here uh, I'm going to go I nearly had a late change of heart we I'm going to stick with it I'm going to go for Blackburn
3: and to go down I'm still unsure one of these relegation places actually I think I have to go for Birmingham so I'm going to go for Blackpool um, Birmingham and because I mean this probably won't happen but just because something's going to happen to this club this season I'm going to go for Leeds Leeds
4: United Mm. Birmingham Tom Amy. Um, one of their best players just handed in a transfer request yeah. today, which cheers I Tom very much disappointed Lee Clark uh, heard him talking about it earlier on everything um, disappoints Lee Clark <laughs> it's just a fair point uh, but I'm not, I don't think they're going to go down this season uh, I'm going to go for Blackpool I'm going to go for Sheffield Wednesday Maybe they could swap places with their divisional, uh, with their yeah. with their city rivals. And my third one, I always put a, a slightly spurious mm. left field relegation choice in there. Don't I Famed for it over the last <laughs> few years? So maybe this is, this is this is where the, the, the fans of the of the club I'm about to name next can can sit back and relax, lump on guys, and stand by get, your accumulator, Get ready for a brilliant season. Because I'm tipping Brighton to be relegated, Brighton to go down,
3: yeah. Everyone, get on
4: Brighton. I know a Brighton fan, I was speaking to the, um, him the other day, he went to that Southampton game and like Rob said, they were absolutely terrible in that game and on the strength of that, during the game, he put a bet on them to go down. <laughs> during the game? Yeah. yeah.
3: Brilliant. <laughs> Pre-season optimism at its finest. Uh, top scorer, I'm going to go for Lewis Graben.
4: I think he's going to have a very good season this year at Carrow Road. I was going to go for him or his teammate, Gary Hooper. OK, so if he can get himself in good shape and start the season in, in, you know, hitting the ground running, I think he could have fun in this. Can situation. I say that? I always go for Jordan Rhodes every single year. This
3: is going to be the bloody year he gets top scorer, isn't it? No, I've, yeah. I've said Lewis Graben. and one to watch. I'm going to go for a man who's played for um, a rival of my team for the past few years, but I've always been impressed by and he's made the jump up to the championship. I'm going to go for Scott Hogan as you'll want to watch this season. Who was joined Brentford, D.C.
4: Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I think I think he's he's going to have a good season. See, my one to watch here. I've just I kind of talked about them already. I've just got Huddersfield.
3: <laughs> what the whole the whole lot of them? The one team. to
4: watch, not eleven. <laughs> but um, I suppose I would pick Nacky Wells out of that one. I mean, okay. I suppose he's not he's not the uh, not as if people wouldn't have heard of him before. But I think this could be the season where he makes his mark on the championship. OK, uh, Tommy Rowe's gone to Wolves, hasn't he, from Peterborough? He could be a, mm. an interesting one to watch as well.
3: Uh, let us know what you think at Wagu Podcast on Twitter. That's WAGU Podcast. If you're a new listener, hopefully you've enjoyed these three, uh, three preview shows uh, this week. Uh, the website is wearegoingup.co.uk. Um, and that is it. Enjoy the opening weekend of the Football League season. And The optimism that we will all feel at 2.55pm on Saturday is never going to be topped in the rest of the campaign. Um, you're going to be at Watford, aren't you?
4: Watford against Bolton. Yes. I will be
3: there with my shirt. You managed to get through an entire
4: pre-season without tipping Bolton, by the way. I'm quite right. impressed. Absolutely. And you know what I might do as well? I don't think he's going to play yet, though, so maybe I won't do it just yet. But you know our World Cup day? Mm. Our World Cup drinking odyssey that we had yes. over the summer. Well, obviously, we had a flag for each nation. We yes. signed the Ecuadorian right back by right. like Carlos Parades. So is I'm that my... not one of the flags we sold? No, we. we Get hold of that one, right? Okay. So gonna, I might
3: take my Ecuadorian flag just to give him a bit of moral support. We should say a Colombian man in a Colombian bar in Elephant and Castle. I, mean, I could probably take most of the flags. <laughs> <that> we've <laughs> yeah, we've got Colombian man in Elephant and Castle uh, gave us a tenner for the Colombian flag. He did. I want my flag. He and said. We also
4: swapped our Belgian flag for a, r- a round of shots oh, we in did. the Belgian bar, and we then did. I, I lost the South Korean one. You did. Uh, that was a that's a whole other podcast in itself, <laughs> I think.
3: Um, next week, then, because I'm going to be at Barry Cheltenham on Saturday, and then we've got our big arch rivals, supposedly, in inverted commas, Bolton in the League Cup away. So I'm not going to be back in London till sort of middle of next week. So I'm not really sure we're going to do a podcast next week. If we don't, we've given you three this week, um, but, yeah. but hopefully we will do. And then the week Sick after of the that, sound of us. And the week after that, we're going to be at Kenilworth Road for Luton, our live special for Luton. Don't tell them I'm coming. <laughs> no, I well, they know now. They know now. So that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will speak. To See you next time on We Are Going Up. Enjoy the start of the season. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the football league covered.
6: Without the ones like you, who work
3: tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency or time of day,